This is Alicia Free, a badass belly dancer, musician, and real food enthusiast, here to help you feel a little lighter. Each show will dive into music that makes us want to dance. We'll share secrets of looking smoking hot in costume and everyday life. We'll dote on delicious whole food that makes us glow. And I'll throw in a damn sexy dance move you can try at home. New York-based fusion belly dance performer Danielle Hutton's dance has been described as a concentrated slow burn of sincerity and elegant emotionality. Danielle is a choreographer, creator, consultant, and an educator who conducts transformative workshops. For over 17 years, Danielle has been a fixture within the New York City belly dance community. She was a principal dancer in Solstice Dance Ensemble. Does anyone remember the Sarah Solstice Dance Ensemble? I do. I remember getting lost in those movements and those videos. And she performed at Tribal Fest, The Massive Spectacular, Vercasa East, and Spring Caravan. Danielle has also had the honor of performing with the Zilla Dance Ensemble. If you've heard the Brenna Crowley interview in this podcast, that is Brenna Crowley of the Zilla Dance Ensemble as well. And Belly Queen, which is a great school in New York City, Belly Dance School run by Casey Chai and Solstice Tribe. Oh, it's not just a school. It's also a performance troupe, right? Mm -hmm. Danielle is the director and producer of A Choreographer's Vision. And this is a theatrical belly dance salon that promotes the exploration of human connection through dance. Danielle recently shifted her focus to her own work, offering one-on-one creative development sessions. And you can connect with Danielle on thedancerwitch.com. That's right, thedancerwitch, W-I-T-C-H.com. Danielle, it was actually the promotion of your recent online love letters show that made me pause and sigh deeply and write to you and invite you to be here with all of us. And then the show was also so amazing, in addition to just the promotion that I loved. And I've been enjoying your oh-so-authentic dance style for a while. So it is truly a pleasure to have you on this podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you and to share stories and have a conversation. Thank you. Oh, yes. Thanks for saying yes. The exploration of human connection through dance. So that's part of your bio that I just, so beautiful. What an amazing endeavor. Love seems to be a theme in your dance. And I read that you also dance tango and fall in love with strangers on the ecstatic dance floor. Can you tell us more about that? Yes. So it's weird. I grew up as a bit of a loner. I was a very shy individual. I have friends, but... For the most part, I kept to myself and I had always wondered what it would be like to really have that authentic kind of connection, that deep connection with people. And I first found that within belly dance because I was 17 when I started and I found this sense of community and sense of purpose and sense of belonging. And I think with my first teacher, Reina Alcala, it was very much this feeling of, oh my gosh, this is a mother's love. And she wants so much for her student to thrive and grow. And so for me, that kind of love really carried on into all aspects of my dancing. For me, it's about wanting to share my love for my body, my love for whoever wishes to see me dance, love for whoever wishes to dance with me. So that was really a big part of my motivation around love. And then on top of that, from an astrology standpoint, 
I have a Pisces moon and Pisces moon is the quintessential dreamer, imaginative type. And I've got a Lilith also in Pisces. So that's fun. And so that really gets me into this feeling of my dancing as a love affair, for lack of a better term. And it's in this moment where whether I'm with an audience member or with a tango partner or with somebody within the ecstatic dance sphere, we have this moment of pure, uninterrupted, raw, vulnerable connection. And we're giving ourselves space to be in that moment and embrace that moment. And that's really what it is for me. And I hope that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, you just made me realize too, the amount of vulnerability involved in dance, especially in belly dance. When you're out there, it depends on what you're wearing, but sometimes you're wearing this little bra and this little thing. So, wow, there's just so much vulnerability in it. Absolutely. And I was never a slender child at any point of my life. And so being a larger individual, putting on a bra and a skirt was very intimidating for a while. It was very scary, especially when I was struggling with how to relate to my body and how to relate to myself as I was in this transition from adolescence into adulthood. But then at a certain point, it just became this thing of, I'm dancing so much. I'm allowing myself to be in this space that's super comfortable that anytime I dance, I'm usually dancing in a sports bra and comfortable pants. And that was my outfit for when I took class or when I taught class or at ecstatic dance. Of course, tango is a little different. There's like an outfit unspoken requirement of sorts. I mean, I wouldn't show up in a sports bra and yoga pants. (laughs) But I allowed myself to dress in ways that were comfortable for me, but also that allowed me to say, hey, I'm here, I'm present, and I'm not ashamed of who I am. I'm broad-shouldered, tattooed, five feet seven turned almost six feet in heels. It takes a lot for you to move me. (laughs) But when you do, I promise, I hope to make it magical for you and have it be magical for us. And that's how I really had to walk into dance spaces. Just say, I'm here, deal with it. (laughs) And I'm going to make it magical for you. Yes. (laughs) I love that. That's awesome. This interview was recorded in June 2021. Let's talk about Love Letters 2. Sixteen performers took on the courageous task of writing their own love letters, creating an ode to the self, to family, to lovers, even to nature, with the intention of becoming a visual manifestation of intimate conversations. As there are always with a CV show, that's Choreographer's Vision Show, we have a twist. There's a twist in the show. And so these amazing performers, they told the story that was based on this anonymous love letter from a different dancer. Whoa, it's such a cool concept for a show, such an interesting way to inspire a performance. And then there was the video of Amy Sigil rolling in the dirt like all of her long hair in the dirt, climbing up step-by-step to a tall water tower in a dress, which of course freaks me out because I don't want her to step on the dress and slip. (laughs) And it was really intense. 
And yeah. I don't know how well I'd handle the love letter that she was performing. <laughs> but there was another performer who was beautifully, but also painfully suspended from the ceiling. I remember even her braid was suspended and taut. It was just, holy crap. I was so thrilled to watch several of the past guests on this podcast to perform in the Love Letter show. It was Brenna Crowley, Tessa Myers, and Joe Boring, and Kamra. They were all in the show. What inspired you to produce your Love Letter shows? So as you know, Love Letters 2 is the second installment. I did the first one in 2019 and I hosted Mira Betts for that show and that was live in New York City. By that point, that was my third show that I was doing. And each show that I had done before had some semblance of a theme, but I wanted to take it even deeper rather than just, I'm going to dance on stage and like absolutely pretty. I wanted to take it into another level where we can relate to each other in a much deeper way. And so at first I had this idea of having a Google survey drive and just collect a hundred anonymous letters and then divvy it up. That took too much work. <laughs> So then I was just chatting with a friend of mine and they suggested, you know, what would it be like if all of the dancers wrote their letters and subsequently randomized it so that somebody got a different letter. And it was such an amazing idea to do that, of course, you know, there was no other way of really doing this. And I think it was super successful both in the live show and in this past show, the emotions that were presented, the stories that these artists told were amazing. And it brought me to tears. And every time I saw a video come in and I'm texting Brenna, Brenna, it's here. <laughs> watch this video, watch this video. And I know that Heather Labonte, who did the rope piece, and they're such an amazing performer. When I saw that, I texted Brenna and I said, OMG, you are not ready for this right now. It is so amazing. And we were so thrilled at the quality of work that all of the artists put into it, all of their spirit into it and how they could interpret other people's letters. And I could not have been more proud in that moment than to just see them all live, streaming live, and then seeing all of the responses, although I couldn't quite engage as much because I'm behind the scenes making sure the streaming's okay. <laughs> but it was such an exhilarating experience to see them do all of that and to put all of their hearts into it. And I think we changed the game a little bit in the online dance film sphere, at least in the belly dance world, I think. I agree. And I mean, just really how much people push themselves to even film themselves and do these amazing concept films. The woman on the train tracks. That's Francesca Avani. Her partner filmed her. But, oh. you know, a lot of people were either doing it by themselves or having somebody. I had somebody help me with filming. I was thinking to myself, there's no way I can do this alone. I can't do this with just a tripod. And no, I need people to help me. Yeah, I was totally blown away at how different all of them were, but how well the pieces fit together. They were so beautiful. Amy made me cry. What was that letter about? 
So I will not divulge whose letter that was, but that letter was actually an homage to her partner. And it was an older letter that she had written to him. And it was basically talking about all of the imperfect things that she loves about her partner. And so to see that particular video was so wild. And especially at the end where you see it being written out in the moment and then being burned, my heart stopped. My heart stopped. I loved her interpretation of that letter. That video was extra special for me. They all were. That one, it was special for me. Oh, yeah. That was such a fantastic show. So thank you for everything it took to put in to create that. And sometimes we create something. I guess I should say for myself, like this podcast, I put so much work into creating it. And then I don't really promote it (laughs) as much as I could by any means. Your promotion was just so beautiful. You had so many dancers that were so excited about it that just couldn't wait to tell other people about it. Yeah, I told them what was at stake. I was very transparent about the goal that I had set for the show because I knew that we were capable of being able to make triple digits, each artist being able to take home triple digits. And we did. And so I think being able to say, hey, this is a financial goal that I have, that really compelled everybody to just step up and promote up the wazoo. And I think also what made it special too is that it's not just, hey, come see the show, but rather here's a look into the process behind it. Here's some of the ideas that we're exploring and playing around with. And I think that's the part that's very appealing. It's not just about the end result these days. It's about all of the things that lead to the end result. It's all the stuff that we would put on the cutting room floor. But now we're putting that on social media to show the human side of creation. And I think that also made it very appealing to audience members. Brilliant. Why keep that stuff for yourself? Share it. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I have an Instagram post where I say this is going to be fun. This is going to be the best part. And I say that because I'm not necessarily the best at public speaking. So for me to talk on film is very intimidating, but it's human. It's a human thing. And I think being able to create these moments of relatability adds more to the experience. It's not just amazing dancers who did amazing editing, did amazing concept work and amazing filming, but then we get to see the human aspect of them. We got to see Michelle the human, Bren the human, Amy the human, Heather the human. And I think those are the moments that are especially powerful. That's part of why live performance is so amazing, right? Especially if you're sitting so close, you see the weird stuff, like the thing falling off of the face or the musician that makes the the look like that wasn't what I meant to do. (laughs) Or the bead of sweat coming down the face and you're hoping that the eyelash does not pop off. Yeah. Somehow it holds on for dear life. (laughs) (laughs) That little piece of hair that gets stuck in the performer's eye and you're like, oh, I can Mm -hmm. see it. You know? (laughs) Yep. Oh, it'll happen again soon. (laughs) Beautiful. I don't know if you know that. I live near Tessa and Joe. Yeah, so I'm in Ithaca. Yeah, so I'm actually wearing my cheetah pants inspired by Tessa right now. (laughs) And I'm actually wearing the Tessa True Heart 
crop top. The blush pink one. It's Ooh, so comfy. Pretty. I wear it all the time. Yeah, Tessa. <laughs> I adore her. I first met Tessa through Solstice. I was a huge fan immediately. Her presence and the way that she made dance look so effortless. So I've known Tessa for a long time. Wonderful. I don't get to see people in person. I haven't seen them in a while, but I will. I will see Tessa. We have kids the same age too. So. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And then I saw Joe last weekend with Bridge Street Belly Dance Project. And so it was really good to see her and Rose and Francesca, Heather, Yvonne, Brenna, and JD, and be in the theater. And uh, after not seeing these amazing humans for two years to then see them in person was so amazing and just so overwhelming we see each other on zoom all the time we see each other on zoom but then to actually hold them and to actually give them a hug we're all vaccinated so we took precautions with that but to actually do that was wild so wild yeah to be in the physical presence of artists yeah Uh. oh yes Oh, lovely. I did see the pictures of you all in front of the marquee. I was like, oh, yes, somebody's doing this. <laughs> yes. Danceable ritual. Do you have a danceable ritual you would like to share? Yes. I'm not somebody who practices for an hour every day, but I put dance into mundane activities. I'll brush my teeth in the morning and work on undulations or shimmies. I will look into my closet and I'll do some hip figure eights or chest circles or snake arms. I'm very much into taking these little moments in mundane life and adding dance into it. And it becomes a thing that's just second nature. And I don't have to really think about, oh, I need to do this thing, right? I'm just like, all right, here I am. What am I going to wear to the office? Of course, this is pre-pandemic. What am I going to wear to the office? And all the while, I might do a downward figure eight just because I need to work on that getting into the center before I take the hip up and out to the other side. I encourage my students to do that throughout their day. And that way they can build in a practice without building in a practice. Beautiful. To me, that's what the danceable ritual is all about. Just build it into your life already. And do you have music on when you're doing these movements or are you just feeling it and being in the silence? Uh, It depends. Sometimes I do it in silence. Other times I will have music going on in my head, but not actually play anything. And then other times I will play music. If I am preparing for something that requires me to put on makeup, that's usually the first time that I'm putting on music and I might be doing some movements while I'm putting on my makeup. I'm embodying Danielle the dancer because Danielle the dancer is a different entity than Danielle the human, even though they both live within me. (laughs) And then also I like to encourage my students to take one song and practice something. Noodle, mess around, explore and play. Just one song. That can still do a lot in terms of how to find your practice, how to find your voice. Oh, and I dance at the gym. (laughs) 
in between my lifts, I will probably be doing some sort of like wrist circles, shoulder rolls. Occasionally I've done a shimmy or two. I've let that come out. And for the most part, nobody's paying me any mind because it's New York City and everybody's in their own world. But there may be a coach who's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, this is a neuroplasticity thing. It's to help me with my lifts because my body likes this. And so when my body's in a state where it likes it, when it's time for me to get under the barbell and move some heavy weight, I can do that a lot easier. And they're like, okay, cool. They like my shenanigans, although I'm pretty low-key about it. Brenna also was mentioning neuroplasticity in her danceable ritual and what she's learned from Mira Betts too. So that sounds yeah. like it's a gold mine to dig into. Oh, it is amazing. Actually, Mirabat is holding a two-day intensive on neuroplasticity, so I highly recommend that. I remember one of the exercises that I did out in her retreat was that she had these two chairs on opposite ends of the studio, and we have to walk a figure eight pattern around the chairs, but we can't look at the chairs. We're looking at a point in the wall. And so even as we're walking, we're allowing our head to move so that we're still focusing on this point in the wall. And so we're learning how to use our peripheral vision to see where the chairs are so that when it comes time to make the turn, we don't hit the chair. We don't hit anybody who is behind us or next to us. And it was so much fun. And so first you start with walking and then you might walk with a turn in it. And then you might add some arm patterns and then build in a turn. And it was one of the most gratifying exercises that I've ever done. <laughs> it's my favorite. I've found that it does help my dancing. It helps me calm my nerves prior to performing. It, it has helped my lifting a lot too. When I'm thinking I've got 165 pounds, I'm like, uh, I don't know if I could do this. But then I'm doing a shoulder roll or wrist circle while I'm walking in a circle. And then when it comes time to do it, it feels easy because my brain's already in a place of feeling safe so that when I go in, I'm not feeling afraid to do the lift. I want to see a whole room of people doing that chair thing. And this is a random thought too. With the train track video, I think what struck me about that was it looked like the person was also like on one of those, I don't know if it's not a boom, one of those things that rolls. No. So Francesca's partner was filming and it's just them with their little trusty camera. And she does a really amazing workshop called Dance for Screens where she talks about how you can create dance films and what kinds of shots to incorporate, how to make intuitive choices that will fit the overall intention of your film. And so it's really amazing to see a lot of the ideas that she presented come to life. And it's such a fun thing to see the thought process behind what they do and then Seeing how the edits match the music. It's really fascinating. I want to peek into everybody's heads. <laughs> I want to know what's going on in their brains that allows them to do what they do. Well, the way you set up your show gave you quite a peek, I think, into a lot of minds. 
you. It's a show that I'm very, very proud of. And there was a request for Love Letters 3. And Love Ooh. Letters 3 is going to happen. It's going to be the final installment. I plan on having that take place in 2022. How it's going to look, I'm not sure yet because there's still a level of uncertainty around what this coming winter is going to be like. I imagine that at this stage, it'll be a hybrid of live and online. I feel like now that we've gotten into the online performance sphere, there's really no going back. I love that because then I can be at the show and still be in Ithaca. Yes, absolutely. There are people in Japan and Netherlands and the UK watched it. Absolutely. Want to be able to have people around the world watch these dance films and be inspired. Mm -hmm. Love it. Now it's time for some music. Danceable song. As a fusion dancer, you perform and teach to all kinds of music. Is there a danceable song you want to share? I am on a Billie Eilish kick right now. And one of the songs that I really love to dance to is Bad Guy. I love the staccato-ness of her vocals. And I love the loopy quality. So it creates this sort of awkward, fragmented kind of movement quality And I think it's really fun too. And then of course, the fact that she's a soft singer, it makes it very internal and very playful. And I imagine that if she sang louder, the energy would be very, very different. The intention would be very different. But I think this is really awesome to create these really weird, broken, fragmented kind of movements where I might go hip to shoulder, to chest, to hip again, to the eyes. And that part's really fun. <laughs> That'll be fun to explore more. All right. I loved the title of a course you taught recently at the Belly Queen School. I want to give a little shout out to Keishi Chai, who was featured back in episode 42, who created the Belly Queen School and true. So the title of the class was Elegant Shapes. And the description was, explore the length of your line and the depth of your curve. Create the story through the shape of your body. What are some of the shapes in life that inspire your dancing? I'm all about curves and rounded qualities. I am a very long-limbed individual. And so for me, it's about how to make the most of what my body is capable of doing. So I live in circles and spirals and curves. I really like to have people find the line and length in their bodies. You can be so present and so powerful in your shape that somebody in California should be able to see that line or see that shape that you're creating. We have this capability of using our bodies as this full expression of ourselves. We have intuitive ways that we express joy, sorrow, anger. So why not put it in our dance? That sounds like something more useful to do with my anger than what I usually do with it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'll tell you, I feel anger in my hands. That's usually the first place that it goes to. When I'm angry or I dance angry, my hands are 
super splayed out and really tight and really tense. If I'm wanting to express anger, that is the way that I can show it in my movement. In your hands. Mm -hmm. But you might have a different spot. Where is that spot? So how can we take that and make it dance? Mm. Yeah, I think mine is more of my chest. When you said it was in your hands, I was like, it never occurred to me it could be in anybody else's hands, thinking about where it is in my body. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, how could I make that dance? Yeah. Do you have any tips for making smooth transitions between these elegant shapes? Yes. It is coming back to your center. Having awareness of your center, no matter what shape you are or where your balance is, is going to allow you to create that transition. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're having to pass through center every time. But if, let's say, I'm standing on one leg in an attitude. And so I know that in attitude, my back leg is extended back. My upper body has to lean a little bit forward to serve as the counterbalance. But I'm aware of my center. Having that awareness of my center then gives me choice and gives me freedom to make a new decision about where I should take my directional focus. So That explains a lot about what I see in your dance right there, the awareness of your center. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about that. I couldn't put it into words. But now when you say that, I can see that in your dance. Yeah, a lot of that is tango-based because when you are dancing in four-inch heels and walking backwards, you want to be very connected to your center. <laughs> you know, doing an ocho on one foot in heels, very, very hard. It's a lot harder than you think. <laughs> and especially if you're not doing it with a partner and you want to be able to maintain your balance, it's really about finding that like connection to your center. And in some ways too, it's about engaging from the pelvic floor. And once you have that connection, that engagement from the pelvic floor, you can pretty much move anywhere in space. I do training sessions with Sienna Bodius. Have you ever met Sienna? She's out of Florida. I have not met her officially, but we have done a number of shows together. She was in Aphrodisiac recently, and she's such an amazing dancer. I've interviewed her on the podcast, and I do uh, training sessions with her every couple of weeks because she's so on the moon, incredible. Oh, she's a phenomenal artist. Yeah. She talks about connecting to the pelvic floor when I'm getting up off the floor from floor work. And that was the first time I'd heard that term too, is like connecting to your pelvic floor. It's like, that's your center or like the bottom of your center. I don't know, but it's a great thing to think about. Yes. You know, another way to think about it is the corset idea or that tight pair of jeans. You want to zip up those tight high-waisted jeans. That's really about connecting to the pelvic floor and using the strength of the pelvic floor to help facilitate your movement. I have a philosophy that all of my movement is energetically initiating from pelvic floor and below. Even my arm work, I'm energetically coming from the pelvic floor because it gives me a little bit more lift and it allows me to get a little bit more taller and I can expand outward even more. Creating that space. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so much good stuff to be learned. <laughs> and it's lifelong. <laughs> it does not stop. And I think a big 
part of knowing how to dance is just knowing yourself. How can you maximize your strengths while at best minimizing your limitations? There are certain things that are just not going to be in your control, and that's okay. I did a Galen Hooks intensive a few years ago, and I was the oldest person in the room. At that time, I was also really deep into my sickness with Crohn's disease. There were days where I would be super weak, where I try to dance and I can't because I can't even think, much less move my body. I had to say, how can I just make the most of what I have right now? It's okay if certain things are a wash because it will happen and not beat myself up over that. I love the gentleness of your words. You were saying, minimize my limitations. I mean, they're not going to go anywhere. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> I'm 37. At 25, I thought I was invincible. I was doing Turkish jobs like it was nothing. At 37, just the thought of doing that makes my back hurt. I'm in a new stage of my dancing. I'm at a new phase of my life. How can I make the most of this new body right now? I had surgery about a year ago. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and it was extremely severe. I had an infection in my leg that was Crohn's related. And if I had waited to go to the hospital, I could have died. Mm. But then, you know, good thing I'm still here, but I had to live with a bag in my leg for two months before I had to have my resection. And having this resection, it's like, okay, now I have a new body. I have a body that's healing. I have a body that right now is free of Crohn's disease. How can I move this new body and make it just as emotive and expressive and be authentic? The way that I dance now is way different than pre-pandemic. And it's really exciting to know that my body is in this new state and there are so many possibilities even within the limitations that I have. I actually started belly dancing because I sprained my ankle five times. I was a runner and I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so that was a real gift. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my friend with Crohn's, she had a whole list of the stuff that she couldn't eat, but I'm going to go for it. I'm going to see what you got here. Now let's take a moment to dote on delicious whole food that makes us dancers glow. Featured lighten my body food. What is one vegan whole food ingredient that you love? Hmm. It's hard because for Crohn's disease, I actually cannot eat a whole lot of vegetables. I know my favorite of all of them, asparagus. Ooh, yum. I love asparagus. Roasted asparagus is the best. <laughs> Do you know anyone with an asparagus patch? They take years to establish, but then oh. they just keep giving and giving year after year. And they're one of the first things that comes up. It's one of the few vegetables that I can have that doesn't have a problem for me. It's primarily root vegetables that I am able to eat. Anything okay. that's like super leafy is a no. Gotcha. <laughs> Let's do some dancing. Damn sexy dance move. What is one of your favorite belly dance moves that you can teach us to do right now? One of my favorite belly dance moves is the belly roll. And I learned this technique from Zoe Jakes. 
The best way I think to do it is to think about your abs as two halves, upper and the lower. And so I think about contracting the upper, contracting the lower, releasing the upper, release the lower, contract the upper, contract the lower, release the upper, release the lower. And you get a nice line from that roll. And it's really effective for me because I have a short torso. And so splitting it into two visually for me is a lot more effective than to think of upper, middle, lower. It's just upper and lower for me. And one great tip is to lay flat on your back, put five minutes before bed, your hand on your belly, one on the upper abs, one on the lower, and then just feel that contraction, contraction, release, release. The hands should follow the path of contraction and release, although without like pushing the abs in. But you'll see the level change that happens in that belly roll. And so when I was first learning how to do it, it was one of those moves I was so intent on doing it. I worked on it every day for about six months. And I did this every day until it made sense, until I got it. I started working on belly flutters back at the beginning of COVID. I still have not mastered it. But I like your idea of laying on your back and feeling your stomach. If you know, I could try that with flutters too. Yes, absolutely. When I first started belly dancing, I was like, I want a belly roll. And I spent so much time in the mirror. It was like when I was teaching myself to French inhale with my friend's mother's cigarettes, just in the mirror for so long. <laughs> I want to get back on my flutters. You're inspiring me. Let's play dress up. Make you shine. Costume tip. What is one costume tip that you want to share? Make sure that your costuming is in alignment with the choreography that you're making and the music that you're dancing to. There's nothing that drives me more crazy than to see a dancer wearing a beautiful, ornate costume with a beautiful skirt, and they're doing a piece that requires a plie second position. Because for me, costuming doesn't line up with the choreography. When you're creating a picture as a dancer, you want all of the pieces to be in alignment. And so if you want to do a second position plie, awesome. Could pants have made more sense in relation to the choreography or the music? I am very interested in making sure that the movement what I'm wearing, my makeup, my lighting, I want it to be a full cohesive picture. You can make it work in a skirt, but then you have to think about all of the other ways in which it needs to be cohesive. Am I going to do plie second with a super ornate skirt dancing to Skrillex? I'm just using because (laughs) he has a very distinct sound. No, something is going to be taken out of that. But it might make more sense to music that might be earthier, that might be a little bit more rhythmic, right? It's about making sure that all of the pieces flow and all of the pieces make sense. For me as an audience member, I can see the full painting. As an artist, I want my audience to see everything is so thought out down to what color my costumes are cool 
my costumes are what can I get on myself in time for the gig? <laughs> you guys are able to put on these really theatrical things. I'm going to dance with my band and carry my children. It's so nice to see when people do have the whole concept together. The music, the movement, the costume, the emotion. When I'm concepting pieces, I like to sit and try to see the piece. A lot of times I start with music, which is not always the best because I've changed music midway through, but I like to sit and visualize myself at the place that I'm dancing at. Do I have lighting? If I do, what kind of lighting am I working with? What makeup am I wearing? This might not call for a bright red lip. This might call for something that's more subdued, something that might be more romantic. Just give yourself that space to see it and it'll come. There will be patches of fog that happens, but that's just the initial stage. And then as you get into the creation stage, as you're getting into the working stage, that fog begins to dissipate. Give yourself the space to see it. Mm -hmm. That's helpful. Even doing a brain dump of ideas to just write it all out. And that is a long way too. Do you write by hand or do you type? I write by hand. I have eight journals, all handwritten. I have about 20 fountain pens, all Mm. inked. (laughs) Feel good. Look good habit. Do you have a feel good, look good habit you want to share? Yes. Right now my hair is in twists, but when it's not, I make a point to wash my hair on Friday. Why Friday? Because Friday is Venus's day. And so when I'm in that like, okay, I'm going to wash my hair mode, I actually do have a Venus playlist that I will play because I have really curly hair. takes about 30 to 45 minutes, wash, condition, detangle, that sort of thing. And so it's really nice to just relax and not have pressure and just to have really beautiful music playing in the shower while I'm washing my hair. (laughs) You know, how can I make it a really nice, juicy experience for me? You know, Ebony Qualls, I had her on the show and she has a shower speaker that she uses. Ebony Qualls out of DC. And that's changed my life to have a shower speaker. So I will bring my phone in and just put it somewhere and play it because my bathroom is really small. Oh, so it works just fine to just have your phone speaker. Yeah, it's so nice. And then sometimes I will sing in the shower. I'm not ashamed of my singing voice. It's fine. But, you know, it's really nice. Like I'll play Sabrina Claudio or Seb Deliza or FKA Twigs and just let myself have this nice, beautiful moment. Like I'm just cultivating beauty in my hair. Yeah. I was washing my hair today with my four-year-old son wanted to take a shower with me. So that was not so relaxing. But I was like, at least I'm getting my hair washed. (laughs) He's like, I want the shower head. I'm like, all right, man. Shower head's all yours. Please don't hose off the entire bathroom. (laughs) But I'm grateful every time I get to wash my hair. And when I get to turn the shower speaker on, turn on some Pema Chodron. Oh my God. Or music. And then another thing that I like to do. So this taps into the witchy side of me is that when I lift, I will usually have some sort of magical intention, not remotely devoted to weightlifting. But I had one day where I was like, I'm beautiful and I am utterly divine. 
and I was reciting that mantra while I was working out. A couple of hours later, I got a text message from somebody I'm good friends with, but not attracted to. And he basically said, I want to be your man. And, you know, I was like, thank you, but no, for lots of reasons. (laughs) But it was one of those things that actually works. Yeah. (laughs) What happened? And it's a really powerful thing when you can incorporate magic into your mundane life. Special. You don't have to do all the big rituals or anything like that. I don't have time for that. But sometimes I just have a mantra and I work out or I put a sigil on my whiteboard that I have my workout on. And then I work out. I'm looking at it all the time. And it helps me. Even when I'm having a not great workout, it's still magic. It's still energy that's going into my intention. Something that I started doing this year, partially inspired by Joe Boring and featuring lighting drinks on fire as one of the things she loved to do in the interview I did with her. But I started dancing with the dancing fire bowls. And oh my God, every time I light those, just like magic exploding out of them. I felt that with the palm torches and they felt good. But then when I got the fire bowls, I felt like this is an offering. You know, and yes. And then when you have this like blatant magic in your life, I feel like you can see it more, you know, the smaller things that come along that are there every day, little seeds and whatnot. Tell us about something exciting that you have coming up. Absolutely. I'm part of the Bridge Street Belly Dance Project. Seven amazing dancers, myself included, went up to Catskill to create a full choreography, as well as present a piece that represented our experiences over the past year. And in the midst of all of that, we filmed what it was like to get together after all of this time. We filmed the process of creating a piece because we created a piece in a day and then we performed live and then we had some extra filming for that as well and so the documentary is premiering on july 17th on crowdcast and if you're interested you just visit bridgestreetbellydance.com and you can register to view the premiere. There are still upcoming screenings of the documentaries surrounding this project, the Bridge Street Belly Dance Project. So go to bridgestreetbellydance.com and see what's next. And it's going to happen next year, hopefully too. I'm so honored to be a part of this project. It meant the world to me to be able to dance live and to create with such wonderful human beings. And it is not to be missed. Almost all of the people who were in Love Letters are in Bridge Street Belly Dance Project. It was such a magical experience. We lived in the apartment above the theater. We have breakfast and then we just go downstairs and dance. And it's like, can this be my life all the time? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Let's end by asking you a question, which you asked all of us when you were producing your Love Letters 2 show. What mm. is the love letter you wish to write today? Who is it for? What would you say? The love letter would be to myself. And I would say you deserve to have the life that you want. You deserve to be seen in the way that you want to be seen. 
you're magical. You're amazing. You are doing what you have been called to do. Finally, to live it, be it, and enjoy it. I think that's it. <laughs> Yay. Danielle, thank you so much for all of your heart and soul that you pour into these productions and classes that you teach and different creations in your life and your performances. Thank you it's so just, much. Oh my goodness. It's been a real honor and a real pleasure to have you on the show and to chat oh, with thank you. you. And thank you. Yes. Thank you for the love that you have given us permission to feel for ourselves and to actually express to others and ourselves. I think it's necessary and especially in the midst of everything that has been going on, you know, it's easy to feel not only disconnected from the world around us, but to also find some disconnection from ourselves, especially when we've lost access to a lot of things that we love. And so if I can bring joy or make anybody feel that level of connection again, I'm happy to do that. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please subscribe and let your friends know what you got out of this show. Dance with me on YouTube, listen to the music I've selected for you on Spotify, and try some free vegan recipes on aliciafree.com. This is Alicia Free, hoping this show helped you feel a little lighter.